At Emory University's Guizueta Business School, we believe in going beyond what is to build what should be. Because when you change your perspective, you change business for the better. And in an ever-changing marketplace, we seek to make our mark. To achieve more, build more, do more, create more. That's the Guizueta Effect. Hi, I'm Melanie Buckmaster, Director of Communications of Emory University's Guizueta Business School, and your host. Today, I'll be joined by Charlie Getz. We'll be discussing entrepreneurship, including key advice for success, the psychology of purchasing, and the dreaded cold call. Charlie Getz is a distinguished lecturer in entrepreneurship with the Guizueta Business School, a serial entrepreneur, and a three-time author. He has started and built nine new ventures and employed more than 1,000 individuals in industries as diverse as finance, healthcare, broadcasting, sports, real estate, and advertising. In addition to teaching and writing books, Charlie is actively involved in investing in new businesses and sits on a number of boards for both private businesses and not-for-profit organizations. Welcome, Charlie. Thank you for having me. Let's start with the basics. According to data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, while most small businesses survive the first year, by year five, about half will have failed, and at year 10, the rate climbs to 70%. What's the number one reason that businesses fail? When I ask people what they think is the number one reason for why entrepreneurial businesses fail, the number one answer is that they run out of money. But the reality is that this is a symptom not the problem. If a business was running out of money because the business was growing too fast, they would have lines of people offering to invest. No, they are running out of money because their business is not going as well as they expected it to. And that almost always comes down to the number one reason for why businesses fail, which is lack of sales. Lack of sales can happen for many different reasons, including things like poor product market fit, ineffective marketing or selling processes. And my favorite, the ease of creating sales on an Excel spreadsheet, only to find out later that selling in real life is a whole lot harder than it is on a computer program. I don't remember who said it, but they are absolutely right. There is nothing like a lot of sales to make up for a whole lot of other business problems. What about personality? What role does it play? When you think about entrepreneurs as individuals, can anyone become an entrepreneur or are there inherent traits that you must have to be successful? I know most people think you need to be an optimist, an extrovert, and preferably young to be successful. While these are surely not negatives, there are a whole lot of successful businesses that were built by older people, introverts, and even slightly pessimistic ones the number one entrepreneurial trait that I have found in people who build successful businesses is their ability to pivot when necessary. Very few businesses hit it out of the park right from the start. Instead, their sales are not going anywhere near as well as they had originally projected or hoped. Instead of knocking their heads against the wall, these entrepreneurs pivot or change what they're doing to better meet their market's needs. This is the beauty of being an entrepreneur. One day you're doing business one way, the next day 
you have changed the business to do something in a totally different way that the market prefers. And sometimes it ends up being a totally new business in a totally different market. Many successful companies have had to pivot multiple times to find just the right product, market, and strategy to be successful. In your book, The Great Entrepreneurial Divide, you talk about how essential marketing is for an entrepreneurial business's success. Why do you feel that way? It's very simple. Entrepreneurial ventures have a lot to overcome and a very small budget to do it. For example, according to a study from Texas A&M, the average person is exposed to 875 commercial messages each day. In other studies I've seen, that number goes as high as 1,200 messages a day. Can you just imagine? When asked how many of those messages a person remembers, it's usually at the very most one or two of them, meaning that less than 0.2% have succeeded with getting their message out, noticed, and remembered. Every one of these companies has spent valuable time and money crafting their advertising messages and placing them where the market sees them. However, almost all of them have failed in gaining your attention. While large companies can play this game because they have big marketing budgets and can afford to use the strategy of frequency and reach, small businesses and startups have to think differently. In order for companies to be more effective, they need to first understand their true cost of acquisition. What is a cost in both marketing and sales dollars to obtain a new customer? Unfortunately, very few entrepreneurs and small business owners truly understand this concept or its importance. And as a result, it causes them to spend money ineffectively with messages that are minimally impactful and or suboptimally placed. And they don't realize it until it's far too late. And that is causing them to run out of money because of the cost of acquisition is frequently higher than the lifetime value of the average incremental customer. Second, they have to craft messages that stand out. If all you have to say is the exact same thing that everyone else is saying, who needs you? There are plenty of other options. In addition, an effective message must be memorable. If your message isn't memorable, they will forget it, and they will forget you when it comes time to buy. What barriers do entrepreneurs, particularly new entrepreneurs, face in this space? Small businesses and entrepreneurial ventures have little to no credibility in the market in their early days. Would you buy from someone who you didn't know or trust? If nobody knows them, why should companies or individuals trust them to buy. Without trust and market awareness, it's exceedingly difficult to garner the number of customers that a business needs in order to build their reputation and credibility on. Without credibility, the cost of acquisition becomes extremely high, but there are a number of different ways to gain credibility if you don't already have it. One way is to build a board of advisors who include people from your industry that prospects already know and trust. In this way, the company can leverage their credibility to the benefit of their business. A second way is to partner 
with a larger company where they either sell your product for you or provide your referrals for either a commission or because it benefits their company in some other way. A third way is to get well-known leaders or celebrities in the market to promote your company. Influencers are a rapidly growing and a very effective trend in today's market. Finally, very few people like to be first when it comes to buying something new. In fact, only 2.5% of the population likes to be first in buying something new. The overwhelming majority of people are followers. They hate to go first. So I recommend to you to position your product or business not as something totally new, because that won't work in many places, but as a valuable extension of what is already out there. Another way that can be very effective is to find leaders in your market and give them your product for free and then solicit them for positive references that you can use to market to your prospects, which will make them feel more comfortable and therefore they are much more likely to buy. And many of your courses, you talk about the critical importance of a compelling value proposition. You discuss the need for three core components. One, defining the need you're solving. Two, differentiating yourself from competitors. And three, ensuring your message is clear and concise. When you think of brands out there today, who's doing it right? When you think of brands, you are thinking about an image that companies have spent millions or even billions of dollars to create in your mind. A good brand generates credibility. It can make you feel safe, like Michelin. It can make you feel cool and special, like Porsche and, and Tesla. And it can make you feel attractive, like Gucci or Revlon. I tell my students to think about a brand as an anchor in your brain. You see a company's logo, or you hear their name, immediately a picture comes up in your mind of what the product or company stands for and means to you. Unfortunately, small businesses and entrepreneurial ventures don't have the kind of money necessary to build a well-known brand or to create an anchor in their prospects' minds. So, I tell my students to steal somebody else's. I mean this jokingly, of course. Well, technically, borrowing is more accurate. Since it's easier for people to understand something that's concrete than it is for them to understand something that is unfamiliar. It's easy to start with something they already know and like and can easily recall quickly in their minds when they hear it. Then, when they are feeling all nice and warm and fuzzy, with that brand in their mind, that is when you're going to say, we are exactly like that brand name, but we are different in this one way. Realizing that this one way is what you do best and what you believe will attract a certain percentage of that brand's market to try your product. It's not just about having a great product, right? Pricing plays an important part of a business's success. How effective are entrepreneurs at pricing their products and services? The number one way that most companies price their product is in relationship to what others in the market price theirs. Entrepreneurs are no different. Frequently, this results in many businesses leaving a lot of money on the table. Price 
like a guarantee or being a member of a special club like Amex's black credit card creates a certain perception in the minds of your prospects and customers in the market. Low price implies you are a discounter, good for value, but implies not as good for service. High price is perceived as high quality and good service, and because everyone can't afford it, it's special. A price in the middle really doesn't stand out and frequently is seen by the consumers as not really saying much about the product or service, and in turn, really about the buyer who's purchasing these products either. First-time entrepreneurs are famous for pricing their product low in order to try to attract customers. However, this is really a big mistake. Since most CEOs of early-stage entrepreneurial ventures are not confident in their product's perceived value, since no one really knows them yet. They price their product much lower than what they really want to, confident that this will add to its attractiveness, and later they believe they will raise the price of their product to their desired price once they have sufficient number of customers using it so they can create a more favorable impression and higher margins. Unfortunately, this really doesn't work as well as entrepreneurs think. First, since their companies are not really known, there are so many other things that customers have to feel comfortable with first before they even consider the price. Things like, will the product work as marketed? Will the company be in business should I have a problem in the future? Will my friends think I'm foolish for buying this product? Before one of their products are purchased, many of their buyers will be asking themselves a lot of what ifs. These what ifs are frequently much more difficult for buyers to get past than is price. So entrepreneurs errantly price their products lower than is necessary to attract their market. In addition, when entrepreneurs price their products too low, it results in lower margins, which in turn reduces cash in the business, which then makes it difficult to cover future marketing and operating costs. This often results in the company never being able to grow their company sufficiently, or later raise their prices as their image has already been created in the minds of their customers. Please don't misinterpret what I'm about to say as a contradiction to what I just said, but the most powerful word in the dictionary by far for attracting customers and getting them to buy is the word sale. If you've been listening, you are probably saying, but it does conflict with what you just said about pricing. And you would be right, except I was talking about for a new company whose products and services do not already have a pricing perception in the minds of their customers. From securing investors to courting new clients, almost every entrepreneur will have to engage in the dreaded cold call and sales pitch. What tips can you give for success in this space? Oh, the dreaded sales cold call. It's the number one thing that salespeople hate the most. Who can blame them? After all, who doesn't love being hung up on or being told to go to hell? And when you finally get through, the answer is no, before they even hear the question. I have found that often the best way to make a cold call is not to make a cold call. Instead, 
you should use a series of well-scripted, value-added voicemails, given that there's a very high probability that you will have ended up in voicemail in the first place. So, each voicemail needs to feature a key component of your sales pitch. The first voicemail provides prospects with information they can use to do their job better or an interesting fact related to their industry or business that they can tell others so they look good. But there is no sales pitch in this one. You're introducing yourself and providing value only. The second voicemail tells a reference story that they are likely to relate to and how your product helped another company just like theirs. Here, you're showing them you understand their pain and you're starting to build your company's credibility. The third voicemail provides another good reference story, this time dropping the name of a company they probably know well. This is where you continue to build your company's credibility. In the fourth voicemail, should they still have not responded, you'll want to explain to them all the implications of their problem and how the risks of not buying is greater than the risk of buying. This requires you to really understand their problem and all its implications for them or their company. If there is a fifth voicemail required, say something funny about the person not calling you back, something that makes them laugh. It's the most likely one of all to work. For each of these messages, you of course leave your name and number and give them a specific date and time that you will be around so they can call. Don't make it look like you're waiting for them to return the call. In cold calling, as in sales, the relationship is frequently much more important than the product itself in making a sale. I have used these strategies before at my companies, and they have all proven to be a lot more effective than waiting for someone to answer the phone from a dreaded cold call. In addition, I have found something incredibly simple that can go a long way, and that is to stand up when you call, as it makes your voice sound more authoritative, and you feel more comfortable on the call when you do it. You have an interesting background. You're a professor here at Guisueta, but don't come from the world of academia. You've spent most of your life as an entrepreneur yourself. What's the best piece of advice that someone gave to you? It's actually very simple. Make people happy and they will buy what you sell. And more importantly, you'll always enjoy what you're doing. Thank you, Charlie. Charlie Getz is a distinguished lecturer in entrepreneurship with the Guisueta Business School. He joined us today to discuss the world of entrepreneurship and how leaders can start their own businesses and take existing ventures to the next level. For more information about the Guisueta Effect podcast, please visit emory.biz podcast.